0: Good afternoon. Welcome to our weekly Monday show, the weekend recap presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors, as the name might indicate. We're going to recap the weekend with Mitchell Forty here in just a minute, um, likely with a concentration on Mizzou football and a 43-6 loss at Georgia. But I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Maybe we'll just talk about the weather or uh, other things that happened over the weekend. It's not specific necessarily to Mizzou football. We just promise you it's a weekend recap. So uh, before we get to that, you know, sometimes uh, if you start a project, you can have this plan. You can can have an idea in your head how it's all going to go. And then if you hire the wrong person to do it, it can go completely the other direction. And you find yourself back at square one having to start over. That's not going to happen if you hire True Sun Exteriors and Interiors to handle your home project. It is going to go according to plan from the beginning. They're going to keep you up to date on every step of the process, let you know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to work with you to make sure that you get exactly what you want out of your project, whatever you're doing, whether you're remodeling, making an addition, um, you know anything that you need, maybe just a little fix-up. They'll be with you start to finish and keep you up to date with great customer service on how everything is going to go. You can get in touch with them at 573-442-7292 on the internet at truesunexterior.com. And uh, please tell them Power Mizzou sent you their way and uh, let them know that you are paying attention to what we do here on this fine show every Monday afternoon. And uh, we bring in Mitchell Forty now. And you know, Mitch, sometimes... Like I said, you have something and and you think it's going to go one way and then you come out and it goes exactly that way and you lose 43-6 to to Georgia because that's how good Georgia is and that's how far away from Georgia you are. Um, like I don't even think I, – I think actually for about two, two-and-a-half quarters, Missouri played pretty well on Saturday and it just didn't matter because if those two teams play ten times, I think Georgia wins probably eight of them by 35 points or more
1: yeah i mean you know uh, really the only thing that was remotely surprising about that game was that mizzou led at any point i think you Mm -hmm. could have got decent odds on that happening uh then georgia promptly went on a 40 to nothing run and you know proved why they're the best team in the country so not not too much you know more to say about it than that georgia's georgia's really talented mizzou is you know very much building and uh georgia was the better team
0: yeah i mean that that game was more about georgia now i will say this in the first I don't remember exactly how the scoring went. But in the first 10 minutes or so, when Missouri was up 3-0, it kind of felt like Missouri really missed some opportunities to be up by more. You know, I I mean, they allowed Georgia to convert, I think, a third and nine and a fourth and six. They had kind of a drive-killing penalty. They had some things happen in there. And and I don't think the rest of the day would have gone significantly differently if it was 10-0 or 13-0. But it did feel like, they got what they needed out of Georgia, which was a, an uninspired start. They kind of said, "And eh, we're not quite up for this one. And they just couldn't take nearly enough advantage, as much advantage of it as they needed to.
1: Yeah, that was kind of what I wrote Saturday was, you know, like I don't think it necessarily made a difference in the result, but if you're going to play the number one team in the country at their place with the backup quarterback, you have to execute perfectly, and, and Mizzou didn't do that. And, you know, they had – yeah, drops and penalties stole out the first drive they had that miscommunication. Excuse me. Between, between Tyler Maken and Tyler Beatty on the second drive, they had uh, Georgia getting, getting that fourth that that touchdown, touchdown on the fourth and, fourth and five. Georgia converted seven, several third and longs. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, you had uh, you know obviously the the penalty on the on, onside kick, even though the game was somewhat out of reach at that point. Several other drops. You know, missed tackle on on third and ten. So there was definitely a few things you could point back to and say, yeah, if all those things go the other way, maybe Mizzou at least hangs in there. But at, at the end of the day, I just you know I really think Georgia. I mean, like if, it, if they had had to keep the foot on the gas for the last quarter and a half, they could have won by more. Mizzou is never going to win that
0: game. Yeah, but uh, look, good teams win, great teams cover. And for the first time all year, Mizzou is a great team. They are 1-8 against the spread as they covered the 39-point spread, which I, I think, I mean, I picked them to cover just because I thought, I thought what would happen or what did happen was going to happen, which was just, 39, man. I mean, that's that's a lot of points. There's a lot of ways not to lose by 39. And um, now Georgia had Kirby wanted to go for the cover. I, I think we learned that Kirby maybe doesn't look at the odds because he kicked the yeah. field goal instead of scored the touchdown. So maybe, maybe that's a thing. But um, I don't know. It's something, man, that cover.
1: It is. It is. It's notable because it happened for the first time this season. <laughs> Mizzou no longer the only team in the country to fail to cover a spread. I, I'm somewhat convinced that the odds makers were just like, all right, we screw it. We're going to experiment to just see how big we can make this right. and see if Mizzou finally covers because they haven't done it yet. We got to just you know, we got to see can, like push the limits of this of this rule.
0: Yeah, no question. Um, So. On the same weekend, by the way, that Mizzou became the last team to cover, UNLV and Arizona both got their first win. There are no winless teams in college football. So, uh, as I believe – I think it was your dad tweeted, everyone's been happy at least one night in college football, so that's good (laughs) for the country. Um, Yeah. I, look I don't I don't have a ton more to say about the specific specifics of that game obviously and, and I, I'd want to mention too. see we've got a couple questions and comments and if you're here watching live please throw those in the comment section we generally kind of freestyle about whatever we want to talk about for the first 15 minutes or so and then we'll get to some of your questions uh, but feel free to build them up over there in the comment queue and we will get to them but obviously the issue not the issue the question is the quarterback situation um we don't know anything about Connor Bazelak. Like, we found out. I, I want to say we found out Friday morning because I do want to give Pete Thamel for credit for being the first person to officially say it. But I think we knew on Tuesday at 1.30 when we got the text that said, yo, you can't see practice this week. Like, we knew Connor Basilak wasn't practicing and wasn't playing. Um, So we knew at that point it was going to be Brady Cook or Tyler Macon. Now, I'll be interested to see what they do with that practice access tomorrow because, okay, we already know Connor didn't play one game. So if we go tomorrow and Connor Bazelak is not practicing, it's not really news anymore. Um, But by the same token, I kind of fully expect a text tomorrow at 1.30 that says, hey, sorry, change of plans, no open practice, which means Connor Bazelak isn't practicing. And either Brady Cook or Tyler Macon is probably starting against South Carolina.
1: Yeah. So yeah, like you said, we really have, you know, at no point in any diagnosis or timetable for his return, other than just soft tissue injury, which, uh, as you pointed out, could be truly anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I think that I don't know. I I don't I don't know. I, I think that if Connor Basilak is healthy enough to play, that he will probably play because that is how Drinkwitz has operated all season. Mm-hmm. If not, I would yes, guess it will continue, continue to be a, a split between, between Macon and Brady Cook, and, Cook, and we'll ask Drinkwitz more about this tomorrow when, when we get, get to chat, chat with him, him uh, for exactly. his weekly. I'm restaurant. sure will tell us uh, the
0: truth and be very right. open. Yeah,
1: be very, very, transparent very transparent and very honest about exactly how it's going to play out. out. But, but yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I, that's that, at yeah. least what it looks, looks like, like to me, me. and I, I think, think now we'll, we'll probably, probably get in. into breaking down a little bit more of what we saw uh, from those two against Georgia.
0: Yeah, in the absence of any real information, all we can do is, is guess and give you kind of our – you can decide if it's an educated or semi-educated or uneducated opinion. Um, what I wrote this morning was, look, I watched that game – And to me, I don't know that Brady Cook's the best passer on this team right now, and I don't know that he's the best runner on this team right now, but I think he's the best combination of both and certainly the best combination of both that they have available. Now, I think both did enough things that they should continue to earn some playing time, unless, and we're getting to the point where this is an issue, Eli Drinkwood says, I really want to have the option of having Tyler Macon available for that fifth year. You know, in that case, and I think we'll probably, I don't know for sure if we'll find out this week because Macon could play in another game and Brady Cook can play in two more before they have to make that decision. But certainly by next week against Florida, we're going to know if that's a thing that, that Eli Drinkwitz is even
1: thinking about. Yeah. And I I would guess he's not thinking about it, but I could be wrong. I I think that the idea, especially with quarterback, where you have so much turnover is, you know, get get what we can get out of a guy Mm -hmm. now. And, you know, if he decides to stick around, like the odds that he's going to be still be the starter five, you know, four or five years from now are are not are not great because you obviously only play one guy at that position. You recruit someone every year. But um, it's possible. So yeah, I mean, I think I, I went into Saturday's game saying I'm not going to draw really any conclusions because it's Georgia, right? Totally. They've made everyone look bad, um, and, and so I'm trying trying to stay true to that. You know, the things I will say, I, I. Th- you know, I don't think Eli Drinkwitz was lying when he when he said, you know, uh, Tyler Macon's probably not ready um, quite yet. You know, he, he just he wasn't very crisp and accurate with his throws. We did see a couple um, miscommunications and guys not being on the same page, um, stuff like that. He, he was, you know, he definitely, definitely gave, gave the, the offense a spark to start to the game. Credit for him, you know, wasn't scared to go into that environment. Provided something with his legs, but I think. You know, I would I would be hard pressed to to find someone who made the argument that, that you know he's ready as a as a passer at this point. Um, Brady Cook I thought was obviously better as a passer. You know, his almost everything was right around the line of scrimmage. His average depth of target was like 5.4 yards, which is super low. He did have that really nice pass to Kiki Chisholm that I think if Chisholm catches, which he probably should, people start to think a little bit differently about Brady Cook's day. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I personally, I kind of came away with it thinking like, okay, I can kind of see why, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has, has rode with Connor like I probably would have still given Brady Cook and or Tyler making a little bit of time in the playoffs. But like, you, you know, I definitely didn't see anything to say like there's some explanation for why these other guys have, haven't have been playing other than that Eli Drinkwitz likes Connor like better. But I would be curious to see a little bit more of what they can both do and specifically Brady Cook against South Carolina if we get the chance.
0: Yeah. And, um, You know, I don't know. I I just, I broke down some of the the numbers and the short passing to me was, I mean, making six for 12 on on passes under 10 yards. Like if he's going to be your every down quarterback, the accuracy has to improve. And so that could happen, I I think, as soon as next year. I don't really see it happening in the next three weeks. And and I just don't think, I, I know everybody's in love with a mobile quarterback. And yes, that needs to be a part of it. But the other half has to like your quarterback. If you lean toward, I want a quarterback who is a better runner, or I want a quarterback who is the better thrower. The main job is still to throw the football. I think you still got to lean on an every down basis toward the guy you feel more confident throwing the football in.
1: Yeah, I would agree, and I I also want to add the other the other part of you know the thing that you can actually kind of draw a little bit of a conclusion about from yesterday is like. And you pointed this out on Twitter. All the people who are saying that the lack of downfield passing was due to the quarterback, I think we saw it's probably a little more due to the system. Now, Mm -hmm. yes, they're playing Georgia and probably, you know, Eli Drinkwitz did tell his quarterbacks, we want to get the ball out so you don't get killed because Georgia's defensive line is very good. But, I mean, you know, there was not a lot of throwing downfield. The only I believe the only two passes of the day. That, or, or maybe there were three but between the two quarterbacks combined attempted over 20 yards, but the only ones that were completed were on the very last drive of the day when Tyler Macon kind of threw up those jump balls to Towski dove mm-hmm. uh, before that, you know, it was pretty much all, Uh, shorter stuff so uh, you know I I think that that's just kind of the offense at this point and and that goes to kind of your point about needing to be accurate on, on those type of plays
0: it's really pretty incredible how similar to the 2019 Georgia game that was right we we start a backup quarterback he's okay but not great which you certainly expected you put in another guy he's okay but not great but then at the end you get this drive down inside the red zone and then Georgia goes you know what? We really kind of decided we don't want you to score, so you're not going to score. Um, it happened in both cases. You know, um, very similar games, not particularly competitive. We've talked about that one enough. Uh, I want to take some of the, some of the questions people have on it. Um, Kyle is saying that the run defense looked better, um, but the lack of pass for us really killed him on Saturday. The QBs could sit back there and wait for a wide receiver to get open. We talked about this before the show started. I mean, Stetson Bennett was. He was comfortable in the pocket, I think is fair to say. He also had some receivers make some incredible plays. Down the field. Bless you. Um, you know, I mean, he uh, – those Georgia receivers did make some plays even when they were well covered. The run defense was better. There is no denying that. My question is, is the run defense better or was it just that they went in and said, look – we can't just let Georgia run for eight yards a carry. We're going to devote absolutely everything we have to the run defense, and then whatever else happens outside of that happens. And so is the run defense actually better for South Carolina, or do they have to have eight guys in the box to play good run defense?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair question, and until we see, I mean, you know, the overwhelming amount of data we have this year suggests that it's not a very good (laughs) run defense, so you got to see it a little more consistently. I do think it's calls for at least some optimism um, because, you know, I think, I mean, against a team like South Carolina – if you, you I think you keep the same game plan, sell so off to stop the run and make them beat you through the air, and they should be less equipped to do so. I mean, they're playing quarterbacks that they picked up off the street. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still that same guy who used who was the grad assistant. Yeah. I don't I don't know who's playing quarterback for South Carolina, I admit I'm not, not well sure. Not sure they play know. a whole lot this season. But uh, I I have a feeling that their wide receivers are not as good as Georgia's. I feel like I can go out on Safe. that limb, and their quarterback probably isn't either. So like, you know, if Missouri can can stop, you know, can can replicate the success on the ground and it shouldn't be impossible. I mean, yeah, they, they devoted a lot of man, me power to it, but also Georgia's offensive line is the, I would say the best Missouri is going to face this season, or at least of the teams left on its schedule. You know, Kentucky's obviously was really good. So if, if you can do what you did against Georgia and, you know, build off that, take some confidence from that replicate it in some of these games down the stretch, I think that would be huge.
0: Yeah. Um. All right, Cam Cameron, I'm answering this question because you asked it and I appreciate you being here and asking a question. I want to, express my exas- exasperation with the subject already. Um, have we gotten any more of an explanation about the Daniel Parker Jr. tweet, specifically the time of it? The short answer is no. The short answer is when he tweeted, like, I'm done with it or something, 54 minutes before kickoff, I sent a text. said, is Daniel Parker suspended? No. Is he with the team and in Athens? Yes. He then was on the field on the second snap of the game and played more snaps than any tight end. I will say what I said on Saturday. It is weird that he tweeted 54 minutes before the start of a football game. Um, it is not necessarily a suspendable offense or anything like that. There may be nothing to it. I don't know. Um, I will say I got a text from a former Mizzou football player that said, Oh my God, is he tweeting from the locker room? Like, and this person told me, like, X number of hours before a game, they were required to turn in their phones before games you know hey here it is now this guy didn't play for Eli Drinkwitz it's been a few years I don't know but I would think that is pretty standard I would think tweeting from the locker room is not super um encouraged but I don't have any idea um I I don't know he played on Saturday and as far as I'm concerned that's all I really need to know unless I hear something that indicates he's not going to
1: play in the future Right, yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. It stopped being kind of a story for us when he played, and and basically at this point, I mean, like, I'm not trying to you know dump on the kid or whatever, but he has a track record of putting out fairly cryptic and uh, attention-seeking tweets. Like, I think at this point, you just gotta kind of acknowledge what the deal is. We'll we'll keep asking every time people think, oh my gosh, is he finally off the team? We'll we'll continue to try to find out, but I, I wouldn't read too much too much into it until you hear something concrete like that.
0: Yeah, fair way to put it. Um, Brett Stevens says, if you see the same things the rest of the way from Macon and Cook, do you have confidence that one of those two or Bazelak can be the quarterback of a seven- or eight-win team next season? And I think that's the the bar, right? Because I'll be honest, I don't have confidence based on what I have seen so far and admitting that improvement happens, but I don't have confidence that the guy who can lead a Missouri team to – like challenging for an SEC East, I don't have confidence that guy's on the roster based on what I've seen so far. Seven, eight wins though? Yeah, I mean, if you fix the defense and get Luther Burden in here and find some more receivers and patch up the offensive line, sure, I I think that can happen with really with any of these guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, seven seven wins is not hard to do. I mean, like, think about this. Missouri they, still they could, could win very, seven games now. All right, they could win seven now, but, I mean, they could very easily get to 6 you We're looking at winning two of the next three. I and, mean, they're you know, there's a roughly a pick game this week against South Carolina, and they might end up being favor- Florida against Florida in a couple weeks. Florida, Florida done flat quit on tank. Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm sure their motivation will be extremely high coming to Columbia on November 20th. Um, so we yeah, might We I might just see.
0: start seeing opt-outs before that game. Like exactly. Florida guys are like, nah, I'm out for the bowl game. Oh, I'm also out for Missouri. Yeah, that that
1: doesn't sound fun. Um so yeah, I mean like seven wins is not is not the hard game. So yeah, I could see, yeah, any of those guys. But I, I kind of agree. And I again I really don't want to make sweeping conclusions or generalizations based on just the Georgia game. But I do think when you look at the fact that Eli Drinkwitz has really maintained Connor Baselike gives us the best chance to win this year. Connor Baselike gives us the best chance to win this year. And then, you know, you see him struggle and Eli Drinkwitz still says the same thing. And then you see these guys come in and and like, again, I didn't think they played terrible by any means, but it was a really hard test. But I also didn't I I didn't see anything to suggest that Eli Drinkwitz's reasoning was false, that he's like, you know, secretly keeping someone in the, you know, waiting for next year or not trying to burn a wrench or something like that. Like, I, I just I do think that. As of right now, lack is the best option. And yeah, I, I don't think from what we've seen from him, like, unless he starts playing a lot better, um, that, that he is the guy, like you said, to, to lead them to the heights that this fan base wants to go to. The
0: question again to me remains, though, what if one of these guys does play really well this weekend? Yeah. Like, what? And I don't care which one it is, but let's say one of them has 250 yards total offense, three touchdowns, Missouri beats South Carolina 28 24. How do you not start that guy against Florida?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, I, I don't know. I, I would think you would at this point. I mean, there the hasn't been that much positive uh, stuff happen for you right. this season. If you get a, if, I mean, this would be the biggest win of the year uh, if you beat South now, Carolina, so you might as well ride it.
0: Now, to be fair, we already do have some tangible proof that just because you're doing well does not mean Eli Drinkwitz won't change quarterbacks. I, it didn't ultimately matter. But I didn't understand that at all. Like, I understand your script is, hey, Macon's getting two series and then we're going to Cook. But, like, Macon's two series had gone pretty well and you were up 3 nothing. It seemed like a really weird time to change to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, he had given the offense some juice. Like like we said, they should have probably gotten more than three points mm. out of those two possessions. Um, And then they made the switch to Cook, and really, actually, I thought worse than making the switch was that third down play where they ran the little swing pass into the flat to Tyler Beatty that gained no yardage. And, like, I have no idea if that's the primary, you know, call on that play. Maybe Connor – or, sorry, Brady Cook just, you know, looked out there and saw what the defense alignment was and said, oh, this is my only chance, and he made that decision himself. That's very possible. But But that that was – Questionable to me because then yeah, and and you know, you're immediately Georgia had just kind of started to get a whiff of momentum. You immediately give the ball back to them, and in this case they blocked the punt and got the safety and scored and it was yeah. over. So
0: Yeah, we could do a whole show on that uh punt team alignment, but I'm not really interested <laughs> in it, to be quite honest. Uh but yeah. it was clearly a blocked punt. So um Yeah, it was something. <laughs> those those things happen. So um all right. We kinda want to switch gears um because unbeknownst, I think to almost everyone, Missouri's basketball season starts tomorrow night. Um, 7 o'clock against Central Michigan. Uh, you and I will both be there, and we will cover the game. Uh, I just, I don't know. This snuck up on me, and I think it largely snuck up on me because Missouri hasn't seemed to really be making a real big effort to tell people they're playing basketball, Um, other than a few tweets here and there. Uh, which, hey, I, I guess that's fine, but I would think they probably would like some people in the stands. Um, they probably would like to build momentum for a program that has nine new faces and almost 10 because Jordan Wilmore
1: didn't play much last year.
0: But man, this has taken under the radar Conzo Martin to like whole new levels.
1: Yeah, it's been a little weird and like I don't wanna, you know, have this come across as like us complaining about access. I know that's been a hot topic. That's not lately. the point. This is not not what this is about. It's just it's just weird because we're going to watch a game tomorrow for a team that we know nothing about, and we cover the team. I mean, we know Kobe Brown and Javon Pickett. That's it. I and those are the only two players we've talked to since last season ended. We've talked to Conzo Martin. No, like that's three not times. true.
0: We did we did talk to some of the new guys in like a, a little impromptu oh, thing right. in
1: June. Cole. Yeah. yeah, I kind of forgot about that in June. Yeah. But at least in the run up to this season, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah we've talked to uh, Javon Pickett twice and Kobe Brown once. Um, and so, yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, never seen any of these guys play. Never had an ex- exhibition or anything like that where we got to, to right. have a sense of like, even who's going to play or what the rotations ne- going to look like. Never like, even really got any
0: information lo- on the scrimmages.
1: Right. So yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, I mean, like I, I don't want to say I'm excited cause I'm really, I'm really not that excited Intrigued.
0: intrigued. basketball
1: in, in November ever, but especially, you know, Mizzou play central Michigan. But I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to just see like, what do these guys look like? Are mm-hmm. they any good? Like who plays point guard? Are they really going to do positionless basketball? Or is Jordan Wilmore going to play 25 minutes right. a game? Like who, who plays? So it'll be
0: interesting. And, and look, we know one thing. We're, tomorrow night at about 9.15, either Conzo Martin's going to deserve to be fired or all the haters were wrong about this team. Like, there's not well, going to be an in-between.
1: Yeah, and if it's if they win, which I assume they will, then it's actually both because it's all they haters are wrong, but then the people who are who are unconvinced by a Central right. Michigan win, which I am not saying you necessarily should be, will say, "Well, no, that was just Central Michigan. Wait till they play someone good." And also, did oh, you fair. see that one bad play? He deserves to be fired.
0: Yes, which is fair. Don't let any evidence uh, change your opinions. Um, Cam asks, in honor of basketball starting tomorrow. So Cam knew before we mentioned it, which team is more likely to play in their respective postseason, football or basketball? So. I guess it kind of what me, depends on what we mean by postseason, right? I mean, like the NIT's still around. I don't think you have to be 500 to get there. Uh, maybe the CBI still exists. I honestly have no idea. Maybe it's the CIL or some made-up thing. Uh, yeah. Um. I'm also, Missouri football could beat South Carolina and go 5-7 and and play in the postseason. So, I guess as of today, I'd say they're about equally likely. But as far as a postseason you will care about, I guess I would also say about equally likely. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true because football cannot play in a postseason you really care about because they're already, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season, three-quarters of the way through the season. Basketball, I mean, still, like, theoretically, right, they, they have every shot to play in the NCAA tournament, even if you don't think they're going to.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Yeah, I don't know. If, if, if the question was meant to be NCAA tournament versus bowl game, obviously I would say bowl game is more likely, especially with the you know loophole of potentially getting in at 5 and 7 because there's far too many bowls. It's
0: also but, easier to make a bowl game, yeah.
1: Right. I was going to say that we really shouldn't equivalent the Birmingham Bowl or the Independence Bowl or the Camellia Bowl or whatever with the NCAA tournament.
0: Right. We equate those with, like, the NIT. That's about fair, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so.
0: Yeah, so I mean, hey, let's get fired up, right? The Birmingham Bowl against uh USF and the NIT against uh Santa Clara. <laughs> so that'll be awesome. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> it's, everybody's getting jacked up for the season. There's your hype. Who needs who needs interviews? We got our own preseason hype. Um, I don't know. I don't particularly have anything else. I mean, it seems weird to me basketball starting, it seems weird there's only three football games left. It's uh, Missouri needs. Look, we need something with buzz, something with excitement, <clears throat> something to get people going. I mean, the Luther Burden thing obviously helped recruiting. It will will be good in the first couple weeks, or I mean, will be notable in the first couple weeks in December. But it's been a minute since Missouri had something. Well, that's not fair. The mid basketball season last year, people were excited, but but people could use something.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, there's just, uh, it's been, a, it's been a little bit of a slog of a season. I mean, it, like we've touched on on this show many times, like it just, it, no, it was hard to even like, there was a little bit of buzz before the season, but it was hard to ever get much hope because they lost the first two swing games and then, you know, lost the first, what was it? Three sec games. And it was like, all right, wow. Okay. Best case scenario. Again, we're going to the camellia bowl or whatever. So yeah. Um, it would be nice if, if something like, I don't know, crazy could happen. Maybe maybe basketball will surprise some people. Maybe someone, some recruit we we didn't previously know about will come onto the radar for early signing day. But, uh, yeah, we don't want you guys to be bored. We, we want to provide exciting coverage. Right.
0: Um, Brett says they've had one tweet marketing the actual game itself. Do you think that has to do with the turnover in the athletic department? I, I think it's a lot of things. I'll be honest, though. I don't think Konzo cares about people paying attention, right? I I mean, that sounds bad. Yes, he wants fans in the stands and all that. But he's just, like, he just wants to coach basketball. I don't know that marketing is is really something. and, And I'm not sure that's his job. But I also think we got a little bit used to Eli Drinkwitz building this thing up for six months every day on Twitter. And that's not Konzo.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he cares about attendance. I mean, he brings it up, you know, at least once or twice a season. But, yeah. I don't, but you got do to do something to get it. Right. I just don't think it really I don't know that it crosses his mind that you Mm. need to like, you know, yeah, sell all this stuff. Yeah. And it really kind of isn't his job. You're right. I mean, it's you know, his job is to put the product on the floor. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's always a struggle for basketball in in the when it starts in in the football season, especially on a weeknight. But, yeah, I would have expected a little more than this.
0: Yeah. Um, Cam says, shouldn't the influx of new fa- new faces cause even a little bit of intrigue? The buzzer on the teams as low as I can remember. I mean, you would think so. But again, nobody knows these guys. And and again, that is not because we haven't interviewed them. I mean, would that help? Sure, that would help. But like, I haven't seen them interviewed by like Mizzou Network. I, we have we've literally not seen them play. There wasn't. I, like maybe open a practice for students to come to with some giveaways or I, I don't, there's just been nothing. So it's really hard for there to be buzz when buzz just isn't being generated. I, I mean, and whether that's intentional or unintentional, I don't have any idea. Um. All right. We'll kind of finish this up with non Mizzou. Um, the most ridiculous show in the country comes out again tomorrow night and where they rank the playoff teams to just for no apparent reason. So I, I don't care who the top four is going to be because it's going to be something stupid that has Alabama still at probably number two. But what should it be?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you one spot with conviction, and that's one for yeah. Georgia. Georgia's one um, and two. Yeah, other than that, I uh, I don't know. I mean, like no one else I – mean, well, I can tell you it, it won't be Michigan State because they lost. Um, let's see who else lost. But if League it won't be lost, Michigan the State, favorite. then it can't be Michigan. Right, yeah. I mean, like, it, it won't be, yeah, it won't be either of those two teams. It won't be Wake Forest, obviously. Not that they were probably going to be in there anyway. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, I would, I guess I would go, like, uh, uh Georgia, Ohio State, or Georgia, I guess, or I still feel like you got to put Oregon above Ohio State, yeah. though, but I don't want to put them too. Like, right. I don't know. Right. Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, Bama, Cincinnati, in some order. I, and then Oklahoma sixth, I guess.
0: I would have gone Georgia. Even though I think Ohio State is better, the play on the field has to matter. So I would go Oregon two, Ohio State three, and Cincinnati four. It won't happen. Yeah, that works.
1: That works for me. I don't it, know. And then, I mean, yeah, Bama and Oklahoma in some way.
0: Bama has lost a game and would have lost to LSU if LSU's quarterback just didn't stand in the pocket for 28 minutes with the ball on every single snap. Yeah. It was maddening to watch. Yeah
1: yeah that was so yeah i don't know it's it's kind of wild uh uh, yeah i i get like uh, you know it it always generates outrage and stuff but i also don't feel like like usually it's like oh this team really deserves it and they're being left out and of course i'd like to see cincinnati get a shot but like no one's making that compelling of a case like if anything i kind of feel like we should just go ahead and say all right we'll just have georgia be the winner (laughs) right like have a playoff
0: to see who plays georgia I could yeah. maybe live with that one. But just for just for giggles, real quick, um, let's I, I wanna see what a twelve team playoff would look like like this week. Um mm-hmm. because there still are I mean, number twelve is Ole Miss. Like yeah. they're in a twelve team playoff. Eleven is A and M. They still have a chance. Oklahoma State's eight and one, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Oklahoma, Alabama, Cincinnati, Georgia. Number 13 is Wake Forest. Number 15 is UTSA. Who doesn't want to see this? Like, what's the reason we wouldn't do this?
1: Yeah, and like, I get that, you know... It's unlikely one of those teams goes on and wins. Like, the best team is probably, like, going to win. But one, it's not impossible. Upsets right. do happen in football. Two, it just it makes it more fun because it gives you a chance. Like, we were saying about making the postseason. Like, Missouri, yep. it never had a chance to make the postseason that actually matters. But in this scenario, they don't even have to be that crazy good. I mean, like, right. you could go 10-2. and two, like, like, you know, it, say Kentucky had beat Tennessee the other night. Like, no one is going to say that this Kentucky team is just, like, you know, some otherworldly talented team. But, like, they would have had a great chance to make it. So, yeah, there, I don't know.
0: Yeah, there is right now an absolute maximum of 11 teams that has any chance to be in the playoff. And that's even including Notre Dame and Texas A&M, which I'm not sure actually do. But 100% maximum is 11 teams. If you had a 12-team playoff, like, Wisconsin at 6-3 and three and number 20 thinks they have a chance. NC yeah. State at 7-2 and two thinks it has a chance. I mean, Pitt, at 7-2, and two, might still think it has a chance. Like, it just makes... Everybody says it makes the regular season not matter. No, it actually makes people care about the regular season that otherwise don't... Like, okay, Missouri's not going to care next month, right? But if Missouri had beaten Kentucky and BC and they're sitting here at 6-3, and three, all of a sudden, Missouri actually cares about the month of November in college football.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, it would be fun. Hopefully, they get it done sooner rather than later. I wish
0: more people watched the show. Like we fixed so many problems. We've <laughs> we picked the starting. Quor- we picked the starting quarterback. We fixed the playoff. We've marketed the basketball team. We just, we fix all the problems, man. So thanks for helping me do yeah. that. Mitch.
1: We should probably stop giving away this genius for free. <laughs> start charging.
0: All right, everybody who is here, pay us $27 before you leave. Uh, I don't know how you do that on YouTube, but please super chat us, $27 each. That your, that's your charge. We're just going to make up the charge every week. So, All right, Mitch, we'll talk to you later, man. Sounds good. All right, you know who else fixes problems, guys? on Exteriors and Interiors fixes all of your problems. Well, not all of your
1: problems, but
0: your problems when it comes to home remodeling and um work you need done around your house. Obviously, uh, they've been doing the exterior stuff, siding roofs, any, anything like that, additions to the house uh, for a long time. But they've also recently started doing a lot of the interior stuff, remodels, kitchens, bathrooms, new floors, anything you guys need done at your house, they can do it. They'll do it with a smile. They'll do it with great customer service. And they do it with competitive prices. I can tell you that because I have uh, personally used them for multiple projects over the years in my house. So you can get a hold of those guys at 573 Three four four two seven two nine two big Mizzou fans over there. Uh talked to Barry Rowe and his team at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. Thank them for being a part of this show. Thank you guys for being a part of it too. If you're here watching live, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel before you leave. If you are listening on the podcast, just leave us a nice review, leave a nice comment, share what we're doing. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with the recruiting show with Sean Williams prior to Missouri football practice, media day, and uh, basketball season. So busy week here. Um, thanks for watching. Talk to you later.